The World Game with Carlos Alberto Diego from Fortiegos.com. Let's say a very good afternoon to our afternoon soccer man here on 1116 SEN, Carlos Alberto Diego. Carlos. How are you there, Tone? I'm excellent, mate. How are you? I'm good now that I've got out of the Melbourne traffic and I've finally got in here. I tell you what, you leave plenty of time in Melbourne to to get across town to get to the station. It's not enough. And it's not enough. No. It's never enough. You're always getting here in a bit of a rush, but I'm here ready to talk world football. Where did you get caught? Uh, well, anywhere between the uh, Westgate, Williamstown uh. Road and Westgate, then you sort of take another detour down Hyde Street, and then you can't get up Footscray Road. Oh, it, I tell you, I tried every trick in the book today, but uh, anyway, got here in time. Lovely to have you here, mate. Uh, we just heard, and you just heard Ian Robson talking about Carl Valieri. Mm. Well, let's kick off with that one. What a shock that must have been to the football world. Well, you know, we never talk about uh, inflammation, an inflammatory condition that affects the brain. I mean, really, you forget about football together, no, don't exactly. you? And uh, and you know, I just think uh, some of these guys, they were talking about some sort of respiratory you know, tract infection that was part of that. And sometimes that comes from the fact that they just train so hard, yeah. they put so much into it, and they just keep on, you know, breaking through those pain barriers or those barriers of comfort and sometimes it leads to something like this i'm not saying for for a moment that it was a training and yeah. and and the, the fatigue that led to this but sometimes when when t when players are at that level of professionalism are actually uh maybe a bit fatigued a little bit tired uh they're they're liable to you know contract things like this so i still remember the day when paul wade many many years ago mm. nearly died of a pneumonia because he just started going he just kept on going to training with with the flu just a common flu, but because he kept on fronting up to training and playing and playing and, tra- and he just driving himself into the ground, he nearly he was in, he's hospitalised with pneumonia and nearly died. So I mean, some of these players uh, they talk about resilience and they talk about the fact that they've got to be tough and uh, you know it's a, it's a big man's game. But sometimes you've just got to maybe you know hold back a bit. Not for a moment am I saying that's happened to Carl Valeri, but uh, but you know these professional uh, sports people have finely tuned sort of uh, yeah. machines and, and it can lead to things like this sometimes. And, and no disrespect to Paul Wade or the people around him at that time, but things have changed now. There's no way that oh. a player would be allowed to train with the any semblance of the flu. Oh, anything that's contagious at all. Yeah. I mean, not, not, only for, not only for the player, but for the rest of the club, especially these days when, you know, a player rocks up to a club at 8 o'clock in the morning and they, and they might leave at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. They're spending all their time with their teammates, team meetings, training, you know, recovery, the whole thing. Uh, you've got to watch the whole group too. So not that we, again, for no no uh, suggestion at all that there's mm. anything contagious with what Carl's got. But just, I think it just points to the fact that these highly tuned athletes uh, can sometimes be tipped over the edge with something. Yeah. Well, the uh, isn't it funny also, we, we talk about the, the physical aspect of highly tuned athletes, but the mental aspect of a highly tuned athlete as well, and the, the mental capacity of the Melbourne City players <laughs> at the moment and the momentum <laughs> that they're just taking through the last yes. three games, 5-1, zip. I mean, before that, it was season over, Forget about it. We're not looking good. And yeah. then all of a sudden, how quickly it can turn. Oh, you know, we were doing the Friday night four weeks ago uh, when they lost against uh, West Sydney Wanderers at home, and it was just absolute and inept, inept 
inept performance. And uh, and two hours of talkback, plus people waiting on the line at midnight to, to talk about and how disappointed they are with this club. But the way they've turned it around, I think it really, really did point to the fact that uh, you know, people didn't want to use it as an excuse, but the players they got in uh, from injury and yeah. uh, and even when uh, Aaron Moy went off with the Socceroos and he missed one or two games and uh, I think Navio, I mean, even though he wasn't ter- absolutely at his best on the weekend, just having him as a as one of the prongs up front or you know a guy that just uh, two defenders have to look after and Fornaroli in and around the box, he's just a master. Mm. If you're a kid out there who wants to be a striker and wants to make a career out of being a striker, just get to one of these games, get your iPhone, and just keep your phone filming Bruno Fornaroli. Are you allowed to do that? Oh, it doesn't matter. Break the rule. Just do it, right? <laughs> and uh, and just just film where, where he makes his runs, how he rolls off his defenders. He's one of the best I've ever seen in Australia with his back to goal. Yeah. Uh, the way he turns defenders when he receives ball to a feet, the way he brings other people into the game. Um, you know, the second goal he scored against Newcastle on the weekend when he ran you know, through to the left channel, made that sort of a, a curving run to the left channel. And uh, I think it was uh, Garuzio, or, or I'm not sure who fed him, but uh, it might have been Moy that fed him the ball. And he had two defenders to beat in the box. The way he just cut back inside, he nutmegged one of the defenders, and the way he slotted it, the calmness and the composure... The clinical fashion that he slid that ball is as good as you'll see. Yeah. And uh, and I think those people out there who haven't been going to Melbourne City games because they've been so disappointing, you know, over the, over the time. Yeah. I, I really believe now they're starting to really uh, show with their full squad. Uh, I don't think. I mean, Connor Chapman unfortunately is out for three months with a knee problem that he contracted on the weekend. But uh, but this team is very very special, and with their um, commitment that they're not going to sell. Aaron Moy in the January transfer window that they'll keep until the end of the season. Uh, that's brilliant. Just to go and see Moy and Fauna Rally uh, play, uh, you know, sorry, Fauna Rally. Yeah. I keep on saying Fauna Rally. Fauna Rally uh, play in the same team and the way they uh, intersect and uh, the way they interact with each other. And also Novillo when he's on form, you know, it's like. He, he runs on on top of the ground sometimes. Mm. You know, he just he just uh, completely floats past defenders and he finishes beautifully. So this Melbourne City team is a special team to watch at the moment. Yeah, it certainly is. I want to talk to you about them and about the victory and their couple of important games, especially tonight's game about Perth a little bit later on. But we're going to take a break, Carlos, because joining us after the break, Robbie Slater to have a chat about a Liverpool versus Aussie Legends match down under at ANZ Stadium in a couple of weeks' time. All right, after uh, a training session yesterday, I think Robbie Slater is talking to uh, Jose Mourinho about a possible comeback on the phone. So his voicemail is... Uh, Jose needs all the help he can get. Uh, his voicemail's on at the moment, so we'll hopefully have Robbie Slater shortly. So let's continue our A-League chat. Uh, JVS said mm. that Melbourne City aren't a one-man team. And that's fine, and I understand that. And he's got to say that because he's a coach and he doesn't want to offend his whole team. They are a much better team, though with Aaron Moy in that side. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you, you take him at, out and they're yeah. a different organization. Yeah, well, look, I'd like to see them when they're on their high like they are now. If Aaron Moy went down with an injury or if he was called away on Socceroo duty, I'd like to see them without him when they're playing with confidence. Uh, yeah. And and when they've got someone like a Robbie Corrin who might be cuz he owes he owes badly Robbie yeah. Corrin. He's been injured. He's not added much since he's been here. Uh, if he comes in and he starts uh, you know, reaching those standards we know he can get to, uh, 
I'd like to see the club then because you, it's not healthy to be so reliant on one or two players, especially if you, you know, you've got designs on winning the league. Mm. Melbourne victory. Uh, massive, massive weekend, a week, four days for them. They head off mm. and they are in Perth for a game tonight. And then they've got to come back for the derby on Saturday after losing again on the weekend, uh, West Indy Wanderers. Just little cracks, little fractures, just starting to sort of appear here and there. No, no, I don't think so. No? I think I think it's just what teams who are who are really really looking to win something uh, over the marathon of a season, they're going to experience these moments during the the season. And of course, the debacle in uh, in uh, Auckland a couple of weeks ago with the ground and the shirts and all that sort of stuff. It was right for Kevin Musker to just to dismiss that and walk away yep. from it. Let's not analyse that. I think the game on the weekend was probably something that they've got to look at more closely, and I think he will if he hasn't already. Uh, West City Wanderers are, are the real deal. They're a terrific side. And there wasn't much between them except for, as Kevin Musker talks about, those moments. Uh, Romeo Castellan, I think he had the better for a better than Dan, better of Daniel Georgeski on the mm-hmm. day, uh, and he's just a terrific player. He's up there with some of the great marquees in the competition at the moment. And of course, uh, you know, West City Wanderers, you know, with through Tony Popovich's coaching, has now changed their style of play. They're playing a much more possession based game, high intensity going forward, uh, really, really, um, you know, searching type of play that, that that sort of tests teams like victory. I mean, high pressing, high intensity, that sort of work. And uh, and I thought they were terrific. It was just one of the great games to watch on the weekend. It probably two nil, maybe flattered West Indy a little bit because of those two goals. Yep. I think. Uh, Victory deserved to get at least one. Uh, they were unlucky on a couple of different occasions. Uh, but I think they'd, they'd be saying, OK, let's learn from that. Next time around, we'll play them again. Uh, I think they'll win tonight. Uh, they've got the squad, and it doesn't matter about the travel. They'll be fine tonight. They'll win tonight in Perth. And uh, I think uh, City will be really tested on the weekend. That's the, sort of, that's the sort of squad that Kevin Muscat has developed now. This resilient squad with plenty of depth. Doesn't matter who you bring in, you trust them all, and uh, they're all capable of winning games. Will we see Archie play on Saturday? Oh, I wouldn't have a clue, but I mean, uh, there's uh, talk that uh, he's... Yeah, yeah, there's talk that he'll probably be in the squad or on the bench or something like that. And there was also it's been reported in the media that that he probably wanted to play last weekend too. So he might have been ready for a while now, uh, but you know, it, it, it's just one of those fragile commodities. Uh, such an Archie Thompson later in his career has just come off an, a, a serious knee injury. You just want him not not take any risks, even though the player himself's champing at the bit yeah. to, to play. They're going to need him uh, because if one thing that the West Indy Wanderers proved to us last year was that you need an absolutely top-shelf squad to get through a FFA Cup, an A-League season and a full season of Asia Cup as well. Mm. Oh, absolutely. And, and this is what's impressed me most about Kevin Musket. Even when people weren't even thinking of Champions League, they weren't even thinking of FA Cup runs, uh, they weren't thinking of uh, you know uh, injury issues down the track, he was giving young kids go a go in important games. And Thomas Deng has been, Had to. yeah, yeah, was playing as a centre half as a as an eighteen year old in big games already. Uh, you know, uh, Dylan Manane has been uh, slotted in there whenever he can because he's had three and four players leave for Oliru duty at different times. You know, uh, national duty. Uh, you know, he's had disruptions of that squad, but he's looked ahead 
and made sure these players have got minutes under their belt. Every chance when he felt probably feels he's he's got the game won, he throws a young kid on there or yeah. throws someone on who needs game time. So I think they've managed that beautifully. And with the Asian Champions League coming along, I think they, they won't miss a beat. They, they, if they're good enough, they'll win in, in Asia. And it won't be because of uh, the fact that they don't have the depth. I think uh, Muskie has really uh, managed that beautifully, I reckon. Theo's asked the question off the SMS, and it was the one that I was just about to ask you as well, Theo. Good thinking. Are they good enough to go back to back? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's no, no question about that. Absolutely. I mean, every team that vies for, you know, trophies are going to have the sort of couple of weeks that they've had. If that's as bad as they play, I think that's not a bad sign. Yeah, and there were, po- there were yeah. definitely positives to take out of the yeah. Wanderers game. There was none uh, to take out of the New Zealand game. No, it was it's one of those games that should never, almost yeah. should never have been played yeah. On, yeah. on many levels. Uh, but it was played and they lost the game and, you know, you, you've got to manage that properly. But uh, the West Sydney Wanderers, I think that's the game you look at. And right now, West Sydney Wanderers might be just playing that little bit better right now. But it was only, you know, seven games ago. West Sydney Wanderers, I think, won seven in a row. But seven games ago, people are saying they started off really badly. And uh, people were saying, are they going to fail this year. Mm. So I think people go through their ups and downs and uh, uh, and victory have had theirs too. Oh, look, they, they wouldn't want to lose tonight. Uh, but then again, I, I still back them for the weekend uh, because I, I don't know, I, I just think that with the, with the results they've had in the last couple of games, I think that's going to be something that's going to motivate them uh, to really get over the line against City. Not because it's a derby, but because they have to get a win on the board. Yeah. If they don't win tonight, that is. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, also good to see the resurgence of Brisbane as well. I just love it because it's John Aloisi. And, yeah, you know, exactly. Look, look I, I, I love John Aloisi as a player, and I think that he probably took the job at Melbourne Heart a bit early in his coaching career. I just think he didn't have the – he hadn't road-tested his abilities by that stage. I think it was only a youth team coach for one year. Took the job because it was there, and I just don't know. It just didn't come together for him, and I'm glad that he had the fortitude to be able to come out and say, no, that's not gonna, I'm not going to be defined by that coaching experience. I'm going to be defined by what I do in the future. He took the Brisbane job, and I just love the intensity. And it seems like the players are playing for him. And that club right now has 12 players at the end of the season who are coming out of contract. So the club's got to actually make a decision uh, you know, around about now who they're going to keep, who they're not going to keep. Now, yep. if they have suddenly players they're not going to sign uh, or players who are looking to go elsewhere – what will that do to the change room? Will that, again, sabotage uh, John uh, Aloisi? So that's going to be a real big issue, but they're playing great. Jamie McLaren, the young boy mm. up front, a Victorian boy uh, who went over to England as a young kid. And, and, you know, I heard some really good reports from him. He came back, played for Perth, showed signs there. But, gee, this year, as a, as a player of Brisbane, he's really, really benefiting by having a coach who's been around the world and scored goals in John Aloisi. He's been fantastic. Yeah, certainly. Uh, Andrew out of Telemarine, Carlos, says you are delusional. <laughs> Kevin Musket is no good, he says. Has not rested one player since he rested Brisha three weeks ago. Yeah, I don't think it's a matter of resting players. I don't think your players want to be rested. You don't want a situation where players are actually uh, rusty because they've been rested. Um, I think you know, uh, taking players off early and replacing with players who need minutes, I think that's the best solution for this thing. Now, I've never coached to that level, but I know players don't want to be rested. Uh, you know, we, we even see when uh, uh, Fahid... Ben Kalfala gets taken off. You can see the dirty look on his mm. face. Doesn't matter when he gets taken off. He hates getting taken off. These players are winners, and they want to play all the time. They don't want to hear about being rested. Having said that, I, I did read and, and heard that uh, Ma- uh, Matthew Delpierre might not be playing and might not be playing tonight because they're, they're looking to rest his older legs. Yeah. Uh, but why not? If you're going to manage him through, and I don't think you get too many players, um, you know, complaining about not 
travelling to Perth in the midweek game when you've got a big derby on the yeah, weekend and exactly. you're in your 30s. So, exactly. Yeah. 28 to 2 here on 1116 SEN. Carlos Alberto Diago in the studio with me and Robbie Slater will join us on the phone after this. 25 to 1, 11 at 16 SEN Afternoons. Tony Shebecki with you until 4. Carlos with us until 2. And Carlos, this sounds like a pretty impressive game. Liverpool legends up against some Aussie legends. Forget about the Liverpool guys. I'm more impressed with the Aussie legends, of which we're going to speak to one in the moment. Well, let's do that right now. (laughs) He's on the line. Robbie Slater, good afternoon to you. Hello, boys. Good to talk to you. Good to talk to you. Now, is there any uh, truth to the rumour that uh, Jose Mourinho was on the phone last <laughs> night after your training session seeing if you were willing to come back because he needs some help? Yeah, well, it wasn't for me personally, but I think he was probably looking at Jason Colina or Brett Emerson. <laughs> but um, I, I said to Jose that uh, there's no chihuahuas in Sunderland. And... Um, I said that uh, I would be acting as his agent and Jose got very upset and uh, started going off on a tangent. I didn't really know uh, what he was talking about. He said that you know lots of players had let him down and I didn't really know who he was talking about. And, and he said that he hadn't spoken to John Terry for 12 months. So you know, obviously he's got lots of dramas. Oh, fantastic! Oh, but you're such a humble guy, there, Rob. Not taking any uh, credit <laughs> for the uh, you know the scouting of uh, these great legends and Australian legends. But it's Carlos, mate. Now, um, yes, Carlos. Yes. Now the, now the other day. Yeah, very good. We're we we're, we're about we don't, to, we don't talk about. We're him. about you to get you on again, mate. If you're yeah, up at uh, late at night. On. I haven't been on for about a decade, so I must be due. I thought I'd done something wrong. Maybe uh, maybe. Uh, Fozzie was on the show. <laughs> <laughs> look, I was going to ask you about that bit later on, mate. But look, we're all asking the question. Uh, of yeah. course, you've had a, a number of stouches with uh, Craig Foster over the years on social media. It's been okay. compelling viewing and, and, and reading. Uh, you're both playing in the same squad and everyone's saying how you guys have patched things up. How was it when you when you first got together? Because uh, we, we, we got quite emotional that two of our greats were suddenly uh, playing in the same team again. <laughs> well, let's start it again. I mean, you know, you got to you got to be careful when you call people great, right? So there's some <laughs> people that are great, and there's some people that are not great. Um, Fozzie's fine. Listen, it, 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 listen, we have difference of opinion on 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 a number of things, but look, there's one thing I would say is is that everyone's got a right to their opinion, whether you agree with it or not. They're allowed to have it. And one thing I'd say about myself and Fozzie is we're both very passionate about the game. Uh, and you know, it's just unfortunate for him that I'm always in the right and he's always in the wrong. But <laughs> <laughs> went fine. We even passed the ball to each other. Yeah, as long as we don't get the whole uh, Kieran Dyer and uh, um, what's the other boy? Uh, yeah, the punch up during the game. Uh, Lee Bowyer, Kieran Dyer from a few years ago, mate. But yeah, that's right. There was one with Graham Lasalle and David Batty when I was at Blackburn Rovers. It was actually the year after I left. I signed for West Ham. Yep. And uh, it was a Champions League game, and David Batty and Graham or so had a punch up on the on the uh, on the field. Yeah, and I remember Dyer, of course, and, and Lee Boyer, uh, Newcastle. I've gone a little bit better now, but they've had their problems over the years. But look back to this, you know, the legend Ruth. Mm. It, it was an absolute pleasure yesterday to get together with everyone. Well, not everyone was there. The interstate boys couldn't get there, um, but to kick the ball again and. And it was uh, it was really good. And I'll tell you, some of those boys. I mean, you know, David Zrilich and um, Milay Sturjovski, Jason Kalina, Brett Emerton, they, they could still be playing. Mm. You know, they're only 35, 36 years yeah. old. I think Emo's the oldest out of them. Mate, and I was punching well above my weight uh, <laughs> at 38. Yeah, 
well, a bit older than that, but anyway, I'm not going to give it away. Yeah, good. Um, but it, it was great, and obviously against who we're going to play against. These are these are players from Liverpool that I played against. A lot of them, some of them I didn't. That are a little bit older, and of course, mm-hmm. then there's the draw card, which is Stephen Gerrard himself, uh, which is a massive draw card for Sydney and and the country. And look, it's an event. It's going to be a special occasion. I. You know, I was born in Liverpool, actually, and my parents immigrated when I was only six months old. But grew up a massive Reds fan. Played under two of the legends of Liverpool and Graeme Souness and Kenny Dalglish, and uh, nearly signed for Liverpool when Souness was at Liverpool. But um, you know, elected a year later to go to Blackburn Rovers, where Kenny was, and that was probably a good decision in all hindsight because Liverpool hadn't won the Premier League, and obviously I was lucky enough to be involved in Rovers winning it in '94, '95. Now, Robbie, obviously, it's a, it, as you, if you sort of pointed to the fact that you grew up being a Liverpool fan, how much did uh, someone like a Craig Johnston, an Aussie who achieved so much with that magnificent team of the 80s, they won European Cups and they won league championships for fun, uh, yeah. how much did, did that influence uh, you or was it the fact that you were just born in Liverpool that, that was in your blood anyway? Yeah, look, I think it's the latter for me, but it's a good point you bring and I was speaking this, I was saying this on another radio station up here, um, yesterday in Sydney. First and foremost, me, it's because I was born there. So before Craig Johnson even played there, you know, I was already had red scarves around my neck and Liverpool outfits, and I was always going to be a Liverpool fan. But I think, you know, they are the most popular and the best supported team in this country, Liverpool. There is no doubt about that. And a, and a big, uh, well, for me, there's there's a couple of things uh, that are very important in that. The, the late 70s and 80s, they dominated not only England, but they dominated Europe, uh, which made them hugely popular. And then you had Craig Johnston, an Aussie, and then later on Harry Kuehl, two Aussies playing for Liverpool. So a lot of kids um, you know, went towards Liverpool to support. And I think that's why they're so well supported uh, over here, in spite of the fact that we haven't won that bloody Premier League. <laughs> well, we never won it, so it's incredible. Yeah, exactly. Was and I, look, all of us down here in Melbourne who, who went along to the MCG on yeah, that night a couple of years ago, no one will ever forget that night, especially pre-game. Oh, the, you'll never walk alone. I mean, even the Liverpool boys. And I, look, I've played at Anfield, yeah, many times, and, and obviously as a Liverpool fan, it was always special for me to play at Anfield. And uh, but and to hear that you'll never walk alone just before kickoff and. You know, we actually won the Premier League, even though we lost the game. We lost to Liverpool on the last day of the season, but we we won because United only drew at West Ham on the same day, and we lifted the Premier League at Anfield. Um, but for the Liverpool fans, and certainly for me, not, even they said they'd never heard it sung better than mm-hmm. at the MCG. It was absolutely spine tingling, and you would guess that uh, you know we're in for another rendition when the Liverpool legends get here this time. Now, Robbie, obviously there's a lot of interest in these sort of games that, uh, you know, the, the off-season games that involve Liverpool and, and Chelsea and Tottenham and, and I know Arsenal's coming in 2017, Real Madrid and so forth. Um, do you think that the, the whole package of the game these days with the A-League and the Socceroos doing really well has bred the automatic interest in something like this Legends game? And would you have got this sort of interest if it was back in the old NSL days, do you think? Yeah, it's a good question, Carlos. And, uh... Look, I think that the, the Liverpool name carries enough weight that I think even back in the old NSL days, I still think this would have been hugely popular. But 
there's no doubt that it's even more so now with, with the, the direction football's gone over the last decade. You know, it's the 11th season of the, the Hyundai A-League. Uh, I think we've really found, you know, a place in the in the hearts and minds and the, the psyche of Australian sporting fans that the, the Hyundai A-League is here and here to stay. Of course, it's got it's, got its problems. Uh, there's no doubt. It still has and it will continue to have until, you know, it's, it's still a very, very young league. And, uh, you know, we've got a very couple of strong points and we've got some weaker clubs. You know, I mean, in all honesty... We're very lucky to have Melbourne Victory, who are by by far and away the, the benchmark in the in the in the competition. Uh, but you know, together with the Socceroos, we've qualified for three World Cups in a row. Um, you know, that certainly put the game at, at a different level than it was, whether you like it or not, in the NSL days. So, I think yes, this game is certainly popular, more popular because of where we're at. But still, I think such is the name of Liverpool. And back in the NSL days, don't forget. That's probably when they were the most successful, so it mm. would have been popular back then. Robbie, if I can take you out of legendary player status to legendary commentator status for <laughs> a, a minute, uh, just to wrap up, how mouth-watering is this weekend's game, Melbourne Victory versus City? Absolutely. Look, it, it's got all the potential to be one of the games of the season. There's no doubt about that because it's not only because it's a derby. We know always the Sydney derbies and the Melbourne derbies are fantastic, but this is different. This is now Melbourne City who have put up their hands and, and and are trying to say, and they're not trying to say, they are saying, you know, we're title challengers now. We're, we've arrived. We're, we're big boys now. They've got the best player, arguably the best two players in the competition at this very moment in Aaron Moy and Bruno Fornaroli, the leading goal scorer in the competition, up against the victory side that, you know, I've lost two on the bounce. Uh, you know, they had their moments against Western Sydney last week. Uh, and they've contributed to a great football game. But still, they lost. And you know, the one in Wellington, which was on a disgraceful pitch. But the fact is, they lost. So it's two in the bounce. Hadn't happened for a long time. They've also got the difficulty now of playing tonight. They'll play in Perth tonight. And then, you know, so they've been in Sydney. They've been in Wellington the week before. Sydney, Perth, back to Melbourne. It's, it's some schedule for Kevin Musket's side who have their injury problems already. So it's a big test. And, and a lot of people are saying, well, this is you know, the test against the champions. Uh, are Melbourne City the real deal? Because they scored 14 goals in three games. Uh, four last week against Newcastle. They put five past Central Coast. Um, they put five past Perth. Now, people will say, yeah, but they're the bottom three clubs. It doesn't matter. you still got to do it. And no one's ever done it before. So this is, it's all set up for an incredible game. We'll have to see what happens tonight. Uh, Victory don't have a very good record in Perth. Although Perth, uh, I'd have to say bang average at the moment. And I expect Victory to win tonight. But a great leveller with all the travel and Mm. and the way they're flying at the moment, City. uh, They start almost as favourites. Now, Rob, where does Aaron Moy sit? You know, when when you compare him to other players who have sort of grown up and played in the domestic competition here and gone off and had great careers overseas. I'm talking about the likes of yourself, uh, Emerton, Viduca, uh, Bresciano, Grella, these sort of guys that really learnt their trade here and then went. Uh, where does Aaron Moy stack up against those sort of players? Well, he's certainly on another level now and he's obviously a late developer because I think he's 25 now, so he's a little bit older than what you would expect a player to have left. I mean, we know he's already gone 
you know, you know, went to different places. I know he went to Scotland and, and it didn't work out and he's come back and he's developed. Don't forget, this is a player, and it's not even 12 months ago we won the Asian Cup in January. Wasn't even involved in that squad. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, he's blossomed literally in, in, the, in that time since January to now into something very, very special. Look, no disrespect to the Middle Eastern clubs, but I, I certainly hope he doesn't go there because I think uh, he's got a better level than that. I think he can play in the, in the top leagues in Europe, and I, I hope he goes there. And he can certainly you know, have a fantastic five years. I mean, there's no doubt. Like I said, a bit older than most of us when we, we left in yesteryear. But certainly, I mean, as a late developer, he's... He's gone to that level now that he has to go. I'd love to see this as being a little bit of a test of that affiliation between Manchester City and New York City and Melbourne City yeah. and just see how they view this whole association and whether Moy's good enough to go into that organisation a bit further. That's right. And, um, you know, even if Manchester City, you, you well, look, they're not silly. They'd be, they see every game. So they know what Aaron Moy's doing. Mm. And... Um, yeah, you would be surprised if they let him slip uh, somewhere else a little bit underneath the radar, even if, look, if they thought Aaron Moy wasn't at their level, you'd think they might take him and then sell him off to someone else. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a very good point, and we'll have to see that. I mean, you know, there's a lot of conjecture. Well, not conjecture is the wrong word. I quite often get the words wrong. <laughs> sort of getting what I'm meaning. Contention? Yeah, that sort of stuff, whatever. But, uh, Luke Bratton. City signed who's now on loan at Bolton playing in there under 21. If Aaron Moy leaves, it could be Bratton that comes back and uh, slots into, Mel- yeah. into Melbourne City. So mm, yeah. it's, uh, it's now confusion. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, no, it'll be great to see what does happen to him. Robbie, thank you so much for your time. Just before we do let you go, can we, uh, for the people that can't get up to City for January the 7th, will we get the opportunity to watch this game on TV? Well, look, apparently, look, I would say it's definitely, it's not decided yet where it's going to be, but look, my spies are saying that it could possibly be on Fox Sports. So Fantastic. It'll be on somebody. Oh, beautiful. Look forward so, to it. Robbie, thanks so much for your time. We do appreciate it. Uh, watch the hamstrings and good luck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm going back in my ice bath. <laughs> good good on you, Rob. Robbie Slater joining us here, and you will hear him on the Forty Diego's inside the next ten years. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, it's been a while. He, when he answers his phone, we got him on every time. <laughs> good on him too. What a great game that seems like it's going to be. We're going to take a break. Uh, back to look at some EPL with Carlos in just a tick. Carlos Alberto Diego in the studio as well, and uh, our interview with Robbie Slater just went a little bit longer than it should have. So <laughs> we haven't got as much time as we would like for EPL. Couple of minutes though to cover off on it. Uh, how much pain is Chelsea going to continue to be in? You know. This has gone on too long now. Nine losses in this is an games. apparition now. This yeah, is yeah, this is no, really happening. Yeah, I, I was I was I'm really being happy that Roman Bramovich is stuck with Jose because a coach who's done what he's done, like something like eight or nine titles across four, con- you know, two Europe, two uh, Champions League trophies. Uh, you've got to give that guy time. He deserves the time, but he just seems like, especially after Leicester lost the other night. Uh, it just seems like he's lost that change room. I mean, when you come out and start saying the players betrayed me, um, yeah. and, I mean that's really strong language. And as much and then as he, blaming the ball boys for time well, wasting, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, look, that's just it. Look, I think 
I would have loved a coach like him to have something on his resume where he had a team that was on the verge of relegation. He brought them up into the top four. Yep. I think that would have completed his resume. Uh, but maybe it's just showing his limitations. Maybe he can work miracles with a team that's got the best players. Uh, but anyone who's not playing well without confidence or maybe not the best players, some, maybe he may be one of these coaches that might struggle. So, look, it's coming into the Christmas period. They get three or four wins in a row in a couple of, you know, in two weeks because that's how they, there's a congested period there. You never know what might happen. But right now, uh, and, you know, the other thing, Tony, I was watching the end of I didn't watch the full game against uh, Leicester. I just watched the end of it mm. in the last 10 minutes, probably from the 80th minute mark to the end of the game. And the lack of urgency in those Chelsea players when they were 2-1 down. I mean, the, the length of time it took them to, to do a long throw. I mean, they got the towel out, yeah, they were wiping the yeah. ball, and uh, it happened two or three times. And I'm just thinking they're relying on long throws against Leicester City to try and break their defence. So it just seems like they ran out of ideas. And uh, for me, it was a sign that perhaps they've got to let him go. But they won't get relegated. I'm, I'm pretty sure they'll be fine. But but uh, uh, having said that, he probably deserves to stay to the end of the season because of his record. Yeah. Uh, it must be Christmas. Leicester City on top. Oh, I just love it. I love it. And we've got Watford in the top half of the table. We've got West Ham up there yeah. too. Uh um, just born with the you know beat Manchester United on the weekend. They beat Chelsea the week. I mean, this is just fantastic. It really shows the value of teams that are well coached, uh, got great spirit, uh, and are fit and raring to go, and don't play a defensive brand. They go uh, an offensive brand. They have a crack at teams, and I think that's what the secret is. These teams coming up from the from the lower divisions, uh, this proactive type of football is really testing some of these big names clubs at the moment.